welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning. It's Jessica for episode 217 of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have a great episode for you, but first I want to thank again Beth Allen for coming on the show on Tuesday. Isn't she incredible? All she's able to juggle and the way she's able to prioritize her passion for art. That is what really struck me. So if you haven't already checked that episode out, head over there, check out episode 216 with her. All right, today we have an expert, a nutrition expert on the show. It is Liz Weiss. Liz is going to help me with all my picky eating problems with my kids. She's going to talk about better ways to incorporate healthy foods on the table, how to help my kids eat the dinner that I make them. And there's one tip that is already working for my family. And so you're going to want to try it too. So we're just going to get to it with Liz Weiss. All right. I'm so excited to be chatting with Liz Weiss today. Hey, Liz. Hey, how are you? I'm so good. How are you? Good. Good. Well, for people that may not know you, you are the food expert. Is that right? (laughs) I am a food expert. I'm a registered dietitian as well. And I have been a dietitian. All right. I'm really going to date myself officially became a dietitian in 1983, so mm-hmm. it's been mm-hmm. a long time. That's the year before and, I was born. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> and I have a blog and I have a podcast called Liz's Healthy Table, so I'm a fellow podcaster and I just love communicating and networking with people online and, you know, it's just, you know, back in the day, I, I actually worked at CNN as a nutrition and, and food reporter hmm. and that was, you know, a whole different media landscape and now we have the internet and it's just so much easier to, you know, be in touch with people. So it's a lot of fun. Sure. And so being a registered dietitian for that long of time, you've seen, I'm sure, a lot of shifts in the trends and our knowledge and research and things. What have you seen as the biggest shifts in in your career in terms of either what we're feeding our kids or even just how we're operating with food for ourselves? Oh my gosh, so many changes. It's yeah. been really exciting. When I first got into the whole field of dietetics, it was much more clinical. So, you know, you you talk about people needing to follow a low salt diet or a low cholesterol diet, and it was much more sort of regimented. And now what we're seeing is that there's no one size fits all and that there are just so many diet plans and diet strategies out there that you know, work differently for different people. So somebody may be on a gluten-free diet because they're sensitive to gluten or somebody might be plant-based or somebody else might say, hey, I'm going paleo. You know, whatever it might be, there's no right or wrong. It's really what works for you as an individual. I mean, I, I always say, though, whatever diet you follow. I actually eat a Mediterranean style diet, but if you're kind of going down the road of a clinical diet, I always say just make sure you're following it, not just because you like the flavor, um, but that it makes sense for you sort of from a health and holistic perspective. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, we all kind of get sucked into the latest diet trend of the day. So it should really make sense for you. IE, if you don't need to follow a gluten-free diet, don't, you know, yeah. if you need to follow it, 
do follow it. Right. And I think it's those fad diets that often create the least amount of sustainability, right? So sure, you might lose those five pounds, just like eating two bowls of Special K every day. That was my high school choice. I love Special K cereal. And on the back of the box, it said, if I eat two bowls a day and a sensible dinner, I'll lose five pounds. And sure enough, it worked. But am I going to eat two bowls of Special K for the rest of my life? And only, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy talk. And and no, it's funny you say that because my podcast this week is all about the Mediterranean diet because Uh uh, there's a group here in Boston called Old Ways and they created this Mediterranean diet pyramid 25 years ago. And the diet just has such staying power because it's filled with foods that we all love, like fruits and vegetables and whole grains and seafood, all those foods that help you lose weight, keep your heart healthy, lower diabetes risk, and it tastes great and it's easy to follow. So yeah, Mm. fat diets, they come and go, but those traditional diets, those stick around for a long time. Absolutely. And I love what you're saying, just whatever works for you, but that's going to work long term. And um, we're going to get more into feeding your whole family, but I think it's especially tricky when you're dealing with certain dietary restrictions when that's determined, whether it's an allergy or a sensitivity, and only one member of the family has that restriction, but then everyone kind of needs to adopt it. But then, you know, like that's, that's where it gets a little murky, wouldn't you say? It sure does. And, you know, I will say today it's easier than it was five, ten years ago mm-hmm. to follow a, a diet that might have a restriction sure. just because the supermarket landscape has changed. So back in the day when very few people even knew what a gluten-free diet was or before allergies became a real concern, you would struggle to find foods at the supermarket and, and even to feel confident in that food. Mm-hmm. So the, the positive is that there's so many more options today, but it is a challenge when one family member has to avoid of food. But of course, it makes sense for the entire family to adopt the diet because that right. way that one family member doesn't feel singled out. And in the end, it just it's easier than having sort of two meals. Yeah. So yeah, if you can get it right, then yeah, the whole family should jump on board. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Will you tell me a little bit about your motherhood journey? Oh, wow. <laughs> let's go back in so, time. Yeah. Yes, let, let us go back in time. So I have two boys uh-huh. and uh, my older son, Josh, he's 22, which blows my mind. He yeah. lives in New York City. He's got a job. He's got an apartment. He's on his way. And then my younger son, Simon, is 19 and he's doing a gap year right now between high school and college and traveling around and just living the dream. Mm. So but as far as the journey goes, you know, I had my boys back in um, in the 90s, and it was, so I guess, we just sort of a typical, you know, suburban lifestyle. I live outside of Boston. The boys played soccer. They played hockey. They went to public school, and, it, and we just, you know, we were just involved in the community, really involved in the soccer community. I actually, when my kids were in elementary school, got really fired up about the school lunch program Mm -hmm. and boy did I ruffle feathers because this was (laughs) before Michelle Obama and before Jamie Oliver and before people really started to kind of get worked up you know over the school lunch program sure so I was the squeaky wheel way before people were doing that and uh, yeah ruffled a lot of feathers but the good news is that our school food service improved a lot. And so I was just one of those parents who got involved early on 
And I'm happy to say, you know, I, I teamed up with some other folks in the community and we, we saw a lot of positive change. So yeah, it's been, it's been wild. And, and, um, yeah, two boys, I grew up with sisters. Mm -hmm. So I say I live in the house of testosterone. I didn't know what hit me. Oh my God. I have three boys, so I get it. Oh, come on. Mm -hmm. Well, let me just tell you like the number of socks in my house it's why so many and, socks and you can't pair them together and I yes. don't know who they belong to so <laughs> yeah it's a lot of dirty socks that's my life that is so true that is so true what was your experience with food with your boys were was it easy did it come easy to you guys since you knew what you were doing <laughs> well yeah I will say it came a little bit easier I was I've written a couple of cookbooks and my wrote my most recent is a series of ebooks over at Liz's Healthy Table and it's a bunch of coloring cookbooks and it's really fun so you can download the books and you can color or your kids can color while the other person's cooking but anyway I've always been doing a lot of you know whether it's blogging or writing cookbooks and so I've done a lot of experimenting and my boys were always my taste testers so I think they got used to it from an early age to try new foods Mm -hmm. but um, I will say Josh the older one he was a great eater I was super lucky Simon, the younger one, was a little bit pickier and very sneaky, silly, and naughty. And so there was a lot of food that would get flung across the kitchen. And, you know, it was, it soon became clear that it was more of a, a science project, you know, than a mealtime. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to adapt a little bit for his style and kind of go with the flow. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was, you know, I didn't deal with that hardcore pickiness, but I have heard from so many people over the years who experienced that challenge. And then I've worked with them to come up with some really great solutions. Okay. So you're talking to me today and I have three picky eaters. Ah, <laughs> so I'm your I client. See. I'm your client today. And I just feel like they would eat cereal all the time if I let them, which I don't, but they would rather go hungry than eat some of what I put out but I'm not creating these meals that shouldn't they're they're regular meals these are not fancy these are not like far out ingredients but sometimes they it's a it's just a power struggle I get that I get that they're just wanting to concert their voice and their power over it so mm-hmm. and and you know spaghetti is something that you know shouldn't everyone just like spaghetti but then come dinner time they're like well I don't feel like spaghetti today <laughs> I see. Well, here's so, here's a few a few tips. How perfect. old are the boys? So I have eight, six, and two. Okay. So the good news is that your eight, six, and two year olds will grow up to be teenagers, and they will eat you out of house and home. And All right. You're going to have a whole different problem, and that <laughs> okay. is you're going to serve dinner, uh-huh. and then five minutes later they're going to say after they've finished what's for dinner Uh and you're going to say I just fed you so there is a light at the end of the tunnel but when you're in the thick of it it sure can be frustrating so a couple of tips come to mind and that is that when you're serving dinner ideally you want to have one meal that everybody enjoys and that includes the adults at the table because that way you can be a good role model. You eat it. Hopefully your kids eat it. Mm-hmm. I would also serve the food family style because when big bowls and platters are put on the table, kids get to serve themselves. And oh. when they get to serve themselves, suddenly they have the control that, Jessica, you just mentioned. And so okay. they feel in control. Big brother grabs the broccoli. Little brother sees big brother and says, oh, I'm going to grab that broccoli too. And then they're controlling what goes on their plate. No one's dictating what they have to eat. And you always want to make sure you put familiar foods on the table. 
along with maybe one or two new things. And so that's step number one. You also can um, do a little meal planning with your kids and try to include them in the process and say, hey, let's plot out what we're going to have for dinner this week. Mm. What do you think of this, this, and this? And by giving them that choice, you know, choose, choose one. Do you want tacos? Do you want spaghetti and meatballs? Or do you want quesadillas? And then you've got kind of the foundation for hopefully all three boys agree, but um, maybe your two-year-old will just go along for the ride. Mm -hmm. So by giving them a, a lot of choices, but making those choices healthy choices, you give them control, but yet you really overall have the control because mm. you've decided among those three foods to choose from, they're all healthy and nourishing foods. Sure. That's a great, I love the family style idea. That is not something that I've done before. I just portion it out for them. So so whether mm. it's the quantity or the the ratio of ingredients or whatever, sure, that makes a lot of sense to me. But I do notice whenever I put out a plate that just has like a mix of fruit on it that they can then grab from and it's a communal plate, it's always wiped clean every single yeah. time. So it's that idea, but doing it with the main dish, I had I hadn't thought of that. That's a great oh, idea. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because when you portion out their food, two things are, are happening. Number one, you're dictating how much food they should eat and you're not letting their bodies, their minds control what their tummies want. Sure, you're saying okay. this is what you must eat. Well, what if they're not hungry that day? Or what if they're starving that day? So let them control their portion. That's really their job. And then the second is it's so much fun when you put foods out on a big platter versus mm. like, here, you got to yeah. eat this. It gives them a say in what's going to go in their stomachs that night. And mm. kids really do thrive on that. Yeah, that's a great idea. It feels like Buca de Beppo at your table. I like it. This is, yeah, this, is, this is good. Well, and I think, too, I'd be curious to hear what you think. Even if you're making spaghetti, tacos, quesadillas, and it's not the most healthy food ever. It's always better than eating out and doing the fast food option. But they can grow into the more advanced palates later on. They're not always going to eat this way. So even if you're recycling the same five, six meals – eventually they'll expand out as they get older. Or do you think we should incorporate more variety early on to get them used to that? I would do early on okay. introduce a variety of foods. So okay. let's say you're having tacos for dinner, and that's a familiar food. Mm -hmm. What you can do is you can incorporate or integrate or add one or two unfamiliar ingredients into those tacos. Oh. So it might be a build your own taco night because that's another thing that's great if you have picky eaters because they're building it, they're creating it, they're involved, they're having fun. And maybe you're going to add black beans one night because mm -hmm. that's new and different. Maybe you're going to add diced or sliced avocado or guacamole and let one of your kids help you cook it or make it and mash it. Because more as kids help you cook and get involved, that's another tip. You know, we talked about family style. Build your own bowls and pizzas and uh, tacos That's or, or add your own toppings to a chili. You know, those are an, that's another way to get picky eaters to try new foods and getting them to help you in the kitchen. So I would always say start with familiar and then just keep building, building, building. When they're young, it's really our jobs as parents to teach kids to learn to love a variety of foods. Mm -hmm. Just like it's our job to teach them how to ride that bicycle or we potty train them or we teach them how to read. That does not happen overnight. And in the case of Simon, my younger one, the reading part took 
quite some time, but uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a process. So mm. teaching them how to love food, a variety of healthy foods, no different from teaching them how to read or ride that bike. Got to be patient. Ah, I love that thought. And I think what you're getting at is that it's most important that they're eating what everybody else is eating, even if it's a different derivation of it. But what if one night it was cereal night? Then we're all eating cereal. And, and that is, they're <laughs> eating what I'm serving. Um, but then the next night, it, the same principle goes. So cereal's not the out food. It is, you know, in or PB&J or whatever it is where your kids always get that because they're not eating what you're serving have that be the main thing one night. So then they feel like if that is what they really love, they're still getting that, but it's not because they're getting away with not eating what you made. Yeah, I think if you do cereal night, that could be one night. You could do Taco Tuesday another night. Sure. You could do breakfast for dinner. You can do spaghetti night, pizza night, picnic night, movie night. By doing those fun nights and themes, Mm -hmm. you empower them to say, yeah, you love cereal. We're doing cereal night, but hey, let's shake it up tonight. What should we have on the side? Should Uh we have sliced strawberries? apples should we do a fruit salad what do you guys think okay and so make it fun and kind of celebrate what they already love and then just kind of build on it oh that's great that sounds like a lot of fun and I like your idea yeah and I love your idea of of getting them involved in the meal planning and so the ebooks that you created do they actually have those meal ideas in it and the recipes and where can we find that I need this yeah, well, if you go to lizishealthytable.com, okay. that's my website. There's a up at the top of the, the page, you'll see books and freebies. And click that. And then the freebies I have include things like a supermarket shopping list, a seven-day meal planner, which you can do with your kids. I actually have a, a picky eater, sort of a recipe reviewer chart, which is a freebie. Oh. And that is that every time you try a new recipe, you ask your kids to rate the recipe like they you know, pretend they're restaurant reviewers and they could give it a smiley face, a neutral face or a frown face. And maybe you give them a <laughs> sticker every time they rate a new recipe. Okay. And then 10 stickers later, they get a new soccer ball or, you know, new oh. markers or whatever that, that reward might be. And, um, and then on the freebies page and the books page, I also have a link to my coloring book series. It's called Color, Cook, Eat. And it's broken up into three books. One is an A to Z alphabet guide. The other is a family dinners cookbook. But is it 10 recipes or 12? Now I forget. I got to go back and look at it. And each recipe comes with a corresponding coloring page. And then I have a smoothie bowl coloring book as well with smoothie bowl recipes, which your boys might really love because you could decorate them, and um, and coloring pages. And so they're really playful and fun, and they're good for kids or adults. And those are downloads, and it's $3.99 or $8.99 for the bundle. So that's something I have on my website as well. So stop by and check it out. That's awesome. Yeah, everything will be linked at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com so people can can check that out. And I think so much of having this go well for you in your home, your kids eating what you put out at dinner time, and just overall healthful eating is so much about mindset. If you plan on it being stressful, if you plan on not enjoying, you know, dinner time because, you know, your kids aren't eating it, and if you anticipate the negative – Chances are it's going to perpetuate the negative, right? If we shift to this is fun, it's themes, everyone's involved. This is a special time as a family that we can enjoy together and eat together and try new things. And that's a much different outcome, I would assume. 
Yeah, I mean, you really do want to have fun with it. I, I remember years ago, I heard from this mom in my um, online community, and she said that when her girls, she has three girls, when her girls were younger, they played this game at dinner called the Three Pennies Game, and everybody got a penny at the beginning of dinner, and then they had to take the penny put it into a jar in the middle of the table and say something positive. So you could put that penny in the jar and say something like, I love the broccoli tonight. Mm. Or you could put the penny in the jar and say, the table really looks pretty with these new napkins tonight, Mm. whatever it might be. Or I really appreciate mom and dad for putting food on the table, whatever that positive comment, penny goes in the jar, everybody's having fun, everybody's participating. And then you give it a couple months, the pennies build up, and then you buy something with those pennies. Mm. Take the kids to the store. Maybe you get some new stickers. And so it's another way of of taking the focus away from the power struggle and the negativity and making it fun and positive and keeping the conversation going. You know, we want families to eat dinner together. We want them to sit at the table for a long time and enjoy each other's company because we know from research that when families eat together, kids ultimately end up eating a healthier diet. And I'll tell you, I have so many fond memories growing up sitting around the dinner table. And I'm sure, you know, your listeners probably have their fond memories too. You want to bring that forward into your own family life. That is a great idea. I'm going to try that. That is so great. We've been playing Would You Rather at dinner. And um, And what's that? So we just, we go around the table and one person says, would you rather live in an airplane for the rest of your life or in a treehouse for the rest of your life? And I have little kids, so it's a little different. Okay, there you go. I think that would be fun too, wouldn't it? Or would you rather only eat one food for the rest of your life or have a bunch of foods that are like not really your favorite, but you have more variety. And so we just kind of go around the table and everyone's answering and laughing and it just makes it more enjoyable. So... I think those types of of games to have kind of in your arsenal for when you're not just chatting about your day, I think that's a really fun addition. And so in your your years of experience, I'm sure you've seen a lot of moms falling into similar pitfalls um, with nutrition for themselves or for their family. Can you identify one or two of those pitfalls um, and something actionable that a mom listening can start today to kind of improve the path that they're on in terms of um, what they feed their family? Sure. Well, I think some, I'm not going to say I think I know that some um, some common pitfalls would include, number one, moms nibbling and eating on the go versus sitting down and enjoying a meal with their kids. And I really, I, I was to blame for that big one um, when my kids were younger because especially at breakfast, I'd be running around like crazy trying to get them out the door, making lunches, and I'd realize, gosh, I, I could have just sat down with them and had my coffee and my breakfast and enjoyed, you know, a few minutes with them, but I just, I was not organized enough, so I think that's a pitfall is that, you know, we're not organized and then mm. we're nibbling, and sometimes that happens at lunch too. We really want to sit down, eat our meal, nourish our bodies, and spend time with our kids. So slow it down, try to get a little organized maybe the night before, and Mm -hmm. then you won't experience the pitfall I experienced of, gosh, did I even eat breakfast today? Mm -hmm. So you really want to, you want to focus on, on sitting down, taking a breath, eating and nourishing your body. And then snack time. Snacks, I think we oftentimes run into this rut of just grabbing mindlessly at foods that don't nourish us. Mm -hmm. And 
to me, snack time is a really great opportunity to fill in the nutritional gaps in our day. So if you feel like, gee, I've not been eating enough vegetables lately or enough fruit, snack time's a great time to eat some of those foods and say, oh, I had all my fruits and veggies today because my snacks were nourishing and great. And so snacks and mindless nibbling, those are, I think, the two biggest pitfalls. I love that. Those are great ideas. And I've taken more to making sure I snack or eat the meal before leaving the house um, because then I'm less likely to grab something on the go or things like that. And I'm genuinely full and not thinking about, oh, should I drive through? Should I not drive through? Mm -hmm. Take that. Take that energy out of that decision because you've already eaten it and you're not hungry. Right, right. And you know, I think one of the best snacks is um, something like dried fruit and nuts because the dried fruit gives you good fiber and all, Mm. you know, dried fruit counts as a fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, So dried fruit is great. Nuts, walnuts, pecans, almonds, maybe some crunchy whole grain cereal. Make yourself a little trail mix just so it's always at the ready. Perfect. And it's inexpensive. It's cheaper than buying all those bars. And then you don't have to read labels because you know it's just dried fruit, nuts, and some whole grain cereal. Done That's and perfect. done. Perfect. I love this. So you do a lot of things these days. You're an author. You have this coloring book series. You have a website that you manage. You're a podcaster, a blogger. What is the favorite thing that you're doing in your business these days? I love being on television. And oh, so cool. I, I actually worked at CNN many years ago covering food and nutrition. And this was back, it was 1987 to 1992. Mm-hmm. I, I know your listeners are going to do the math and figure it all out <laughs> at some point. But you're gorgeous. Oh, you are a beauty. <laughs> you're sweet. Um, so anyway, so I love TV. And sometimes I'll do local TV here in the Boston area. Mm-hmm. And, and I just did one on smart snacking. And, and I just love the energy from doing mm-hmm. television. And thank you to the internet, I can do TV all the time if I want to because there's Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. And I do that every now and then. And uh, so, yeah, I would just say being on TV is my favorite thing, because especially live TV. I just love the energy. And I could talk all day. So. <laughs> My husband's always like, that Facebook Live was a little too long. you got to cut back on that. You're so like, it's no. just, yeah, I just, I just have fun doing that. That's awesome. That is so great. And I like doing my voice only because then it doesn't matter what I look like behind the microphone. So it's perfect. We all have our things that we love. Oh, mm-hmm. that's, that's so great. And if people tune into your podcast, Liz's Healthy Table, what will they hear on there? So my podcast, I, I – posted every other week so every other Wednesday Mm -hmm. and I am now in episode 21 I've I always have a guest so the topics that I tackle are topics that families care about and topics that really kind of get my get get my appetite flowing Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. so so things like eating sustainably going meatless more often food waste, fermented foods, like all this um, new information on the microbiome and what should we eat to have a healthy gut, Uh, pulses, beans, cooking with beans. So um, yeah, topics like that. And then today is the Mediterranean diet. And it's because the Mediterranean diet pyramid just turned 25. And I thought, hey, I remember when that was created. And I've been following that story for a long time. So let's go ahead and have the creators of that pyramid come on the podcast and Mm. then I oh you know what show I'm going to do in the next couple weeks I'm trying to set it up now is the instant pot the electric Uh pressure cooker I am obsessed with that I don't have one but I it's all the rage oh you got to get one I I, think so I mean 
you can make beef stew in 20 minutes. I made salmon the other night, this recipe. One minute. No. One minute. <laughs> yes, yes. There are no excuses anymore for not no, making I, dinner. Oh, my gosh. It, oh, lentil soup, six minutes. I wow. love the Instant Pot. So I don't work for them. This isn't a plug, but I do want to do a show on the Instant Pot. I'm going to have Ellie Krieger on. I'm interviewing her oh, next week. Cool. She's a, um, a dietitian and a, a cookbook author and a TV celebrity. She yeah. was on the Food Network for years. She's on a PBS. Um, she's got her own show on PBS now. So, yeah, so I have... Uh, dietitians and chefs and cookbook authors on my show and um, yeah I think it, I think your listeners would like my show I know my listeners would like yours as well that's awesome yeah I'm always looking for new podcasts to listen to so I'll have to add that to the queue so great well this has been so delightful talking to you Liz you're just a fountain of information and wisdom and I just really appreciate you taking the time to share what you're so passionate about with my listeners I always ask my guests one final question and it's this what would you tell your pre-motherhood self Oh, boy. Um, I would say don't sweat the little stuff. Mm-hmm. When you're in the moment and you're wondering, why hasn't my six-month-old picked up that Cheerio? Is there something wrong with him? The next week, it's going to be something else. So just kind of take it in stride and enjoy the ride. Mm, that's beautiful. And now that your kids are grown, you can really see that in hindsight, especially, I'm sure. That's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. I definitely like that Cheerio. I seriously laugh at myself when I think about stressing over, why hasn't he picked it up yet? Is there something wrong with him? And then, you know, (laughs) now he's living in New York and he has a job. Thank you very much. Right? He's off the payroll. So it all works out. It's like the kids that are impossible to potty train. And it's like, do you really think they're never, ever going to do it? Like, you feel like that as you're sitting with them for 24 hours in the bathroom. But they will eventually wear underwear. And you are living proof. <laughs> I'm sure your boys they, are they thrilled will. we're talking they about will. this. <laughs> and, and I could talk about potty training, but it's really not my area of expertise. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to leave that to your next guest. Mine either. But yeah, that's why we have these experts on. Well, Liz, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm going to link everywhere people can find you, including those awesome coloring books and podcasts and everything over on ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Thank you so much for taking the time, Liz. Thank you for having me. It was fun. So if you're wondering what the one tip was that she gave that I implemented immediately and that is really working for our family, it's the serving family style. Prior to this talk, I was portioning out my kids' food. I was determining how much of each food group they were going to eat, and they had no say. And it was kind of like a eat what's on your plate or eat two more bites of this or that or the other thing. And that was not working. And so the next day, I put out the spaghetti and the salad and the fruit family style on the table. They got to use the tongs to put it on their plate. They got to determine which pieces of fruit they were going to have. They got to take what they wanted and they cleared their plates. It made them feel powerful. I mean, it's kind of like soup plantation, right? When they're able to kind of put stuff on their plate, they're in control and then they end up eating it. It worked so well for our family. Perhaps you're already doing that, but if not, give it a try. It worked out so well for us. So thank you so much, Liz, for coming on the show today. I learned so much, especially in terms of allergies and sustainable eating and things like that. It was just so much food for thought, no pun intended. So if you want to find out more about Liz and where to find her online and all of her amazing resources, you can do that at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. Everything will be linked over there. And then if you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. 
Next week, we have a great episode for you. It is with a new author, Kayla Amy. Kayla wrote the book In Bloom, and the subtitle is Trading Restless Insecurity for Abiding Confidence. And it is memoir-esque again, but it talks about her process of freeing herself from shame and comparison and feeling more confident in herself. If you've ever felt that comparison trap problem, feelings of inadequacy, seeking the need of approval of others more than seeking and doing what you know is right for you, This is a great, great read, and I loved it. So we're going to talk all about her incredible book, and I can't wait to share that with you next week. So tune in for that. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes so you never miss an episode. All righty, everybody. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.